Hello and welcome to this crushable cast by Fountain City Sports Media, a program made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, aka Hot Take Mondo or HTM, and along with my good friend Reese, we're going to be reacting to week two, the nail-biting Kansas City Chiefs win against the LA Chargers in their new SoFi Stadium with all their fans in there. Zero. Anyway, it was a 23-20 overtime win with a game-winning field goal, 58-yard field goal. And why don't we just jump right in, Reese? Let's just jump right in. Reese, I'm going to ask you a question. Yes. Who would you choose at the end of a game? Harrison Butker in overtime or Wade Davis in the ninth? Oh my gosh, why would you do that to me? <laughs> I've actually, well, it, I, I don't know where I heard it, but it's been going around today, and I was like, this is awesome. Reese, Reese is going to kill this question. All right, Wait, Reese, the spotlight is yours. And and for our fans out there, of course you guys know why I'm asking this. Harrison Bucker made the 58-yard field winning field goal. He makes a 58-yarder twice in the game, and not only that, but he made one before the game-winning field goal when the LA Chargers called a timeout. So essentially, he made three, three 58-yard field goals in a, in a row. But Reese, who do you want? Harrison at the end or Davis? Are we talking 2020 Wade Davis? Ooh. Yeah, I'm talking, I'm talking, oh, no, no, no. I'm talking peak. <laughs> uh, sorry. Because <laughs> if it's 2020 Wade so, Davis, no, no, no. give me Harrison Butker every day of the no, week no, and no, twice no, no. on give Sunday. Me, no, no, Give me uh, World World Series champion Wade Davis. Okay. This one is stupid tricky. <laughs> And and for for our, uh, for our listeners out there, Reese had no idea that I was going to ask this question. <laughs> okay, the thing tilting in the favor of Wade Davis for me right now is the fact that not to diminish Harrison Butker and his almighty leg, but the fact that Wade Davis did Harrison Butker level stuff in front of a crowd of like 45,000 ticked off Mets fans and across other stadiums. That's the only thing tipping in his favor. So it's kind of unfair to Harrison, but you know, man, I, I got to say the one knock I had on Butker was that he did seem to be pretty consistent. Like he would hit big kicks and hit 50 yard kicks. Like, wow, what a great kick, great time. But he did seem to have a knack for like missing an important like 43 yarder and it's kind of like ah it's not yep. a give me but dude you're Harrison Butker you should have that but he seems to have really ironed that out of his system and I mean I he hasn't looked back since that stone cold Vikings walk off last year so you know just because of the fan thing I'm giving it to Wade Davis for now what about you <laughs> um well Reese, you're you are a very good like non prisoner of the moment. Like you are definitely a very learned individual, and you also like take things under consideration. Well, guess who's not that way? Hot take, Mondo baby. Harrison Bucker is the goat. His takes are so hot. Harrison <laughs> Bucker is the greatest kicker of all time. He is the greatest closer in Kansas City history. Fight oh. me. Fight me. Okay, okay, okay. Let me let me explain. So, so last year, and I'm kind of writing on your on your coattails there, Reese. So, Reese, you had talked about how Harrison Butker, like in twenty in 2018, he had a lot of difficulties. Like, like th there was some points where we were like, "Are we gonna get another kicker?" Like, I I I remember him missing a few like pretty 
uh, pretty big time field goals. But in 2019, it he really changed it around. It became one of the best field goal kickers in in 2020, not necessarily like in the world. But then as the playoffs went around, like dude started to step up and he was put in a lot of situations where he had to come through and he did. I forgot what the stat was, but he he's only missed like two field goals or two extra points or uh, total in the past year. They're like he he's just been just straight on and and from last year to this year it's just it's just business as, as usual with this guy. So I've been very impressed. Reese, tell me the emotions that happened before that kick. Were you nervous for the kick or were you like, wait, it's Harrison Butker. We're fine. Well, see, that's what's the funniest thing is that like I was less nervous of Butker missing the kick. I was more nervous of the Chargers breaking through our line and blocking the kick, which they had done right. earlier in the game. Right. Tillery uh, Tillery did block a uh block a I think the first kick, right? Yeah, he he blocked the first extra point Tillery did. He did. Yeah. And you know what's what's funny and makes your stomach churn is if you go back and watch the third and final kick Butker actually did to ice the game. Like two or three Chargers got pretty well through our line and made a play on that football. So that was about to be blocked. So, you know, even more good on him. But, dude, I I, I thought he was going to hit all three of those. And he did hit all three of those because I'm, like, I'm, I'm fully confident in him now. I think he's now got one of the strongest legs in the NFL and not just like a gimmick strong leg a la, you know, Sebastian Janikowski where, you know, he was great from over 50 yards. But in terms of like accuracy is he automatic? Yeah, not so much. But now Butker's got like Justin Tucker accuracy with like Martin Grammatica level power. So it's just, what are you going to do to stop him? Yeah, it, 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 it's pretty amazing that we have this, you know, secondary, if not third weapon in our arsenal. Like you have to go through Patrick Mahomes. Then you have to go through Travis Kelsey. Then you have to go through the Honey Badger. You got to go through Chris Jones, Frank Clark. Oh, yeah. And by the way, we have the best closer in the NFL. So just another notch for us. This was a great win and a great win for Harrison Butker and for our special teams. Um, Really, really awesome for that. Now, let's talk about maybe not so awesome for the Chiefs, but um, pretty like interesting, just crazy stuff. Going into the game. We had made fun of Tyron Taylor a lot on our text chain. We we're like, all right, Ty- Tyron Taylor's coming up. Like, okay, Tyron Taylor's a good a good player. Like, he actually had some pretty good seasons with the Browns. I think he even made the playoffs at one point. Um, not a bad player. And for the game script and like how to expose the Chiefs' offense, a player like Tyron Taylor could be fine. First snap of the game, no one knows that Justin Herbert is going to start for the L.A. Chargers. Reese, what was your reaction to seeing Justin Herbert there without any pretense that was going to happen? You know, initially when I saw him, I thought it was some sort of trick play and they put him in for it. I'm like, what is this? And then they immediately talk. <laughs> Seriously. Like, some t- like Taysom like, uh-huh. Hill. Like- <laughs> a trick play direct snap to a quarterback. How cunning. <laughs> He just rushes for like a hundred yards from the goal line. <laughs> well, it made me wonder. If, I mean, I know he's got like a howitzer for an arm, and that was one of his things coming out of college. So I thought maybe it was some sort of, you know, they they expected the Chiefs to play, you know, really close to the box, and they they're going to have I don't know Keenan Allen streak, and he was just going to bomb on the outside or something. But you know, he was in that first drive, and I'm like, okay, I guess this is happening then. But it just seemed very <laughs> sudden. 
Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. Um, no one knew that this was going to happen. Apparently, Tyra Taylor had a had a chest injury um, or a rib injury. I apologize. Uh, a couple days before, and it had shown up, but he did a full practice on Saturday, um, so there was no indication that he was not going to be able to play on Sunday. And then apparently, an hour before, they told Justin Herbert that he had to go in. Which, if you didn't watch the game, you'd be like, "Oh, great, we're up against a rookie. This is going to be awesome." Nope. Justin Herbert showed up in that game, but I don't want to give this guy too much credit. Well, before I talk about that, he had uh, 311 yards with one touchdown and one very brutal interception. But Reese, are you buying the hype for the rookie Justin Herbert? Um, you know, this one's hard and it uh it really is 6 of one half dozen of another. He Played very well for a rookie making his first start, but at the same time, he did a lot of the things I think people expected him to do, which were a lot of the knocks on him coming out of college. Particularly, like you said, he had that just completely brain-dead interception. Uh, His accuracy was an issue. I think he left quite a few points on the board in the first half. Even that first touchdown pass he threw, Tony Romo tried to make it sound like it was a dime, but he had that receiver open on an island for seven yards, and he still almost overthrew him. He had to go up for that. So, you know, there's some good and some bad. I think it'll remain to be seen exactly how well, you know, he can keep up the play and not now that, you know, teams have film on him and he's not just going about as cold of a script as you can get on a team. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm about to do some hot take stuff, so get ready. All right, I'm ready. I got a cold beer. Where's the hot take? You got a cold beer? Okay, good. Tony Romo, stop it. CBS Sports, stop it. I was so pissed last night that they were showing comparisons with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and how Justin Herbert was, he had more yards than Patrick Mahomes and was doing better than Patrick Mahomes. Stop it. There was a lot of people that were saying Justin Herbert went went shot for shot with Patrick Mahomes. No, he didn't. Don't do that. Don't do that. You know that's wrong. CBS Sports, you know that's wrong to do to compare them because the defense that Patrick Mahomes is playing is not the same defense that Justin Herbert is playing. And you can't say that they're going shot for shot because now people are going to say Justin Herbert's just as good as Patrick Mahomes. You're going to have those people that don't watch football and are going to watch First Take tomorrow or going to watch Undisputed. They're going to watch CBS at night. And they're going to say, wow, look at this graphic. Stop it. No, you're, you're totally right. And it's, it's like I said, you know, we, we knew Herbert was going to be a project coming out of college, albeit a project that possessed a bunch of great physical tools, but a project nonetheless. And like you said, you know, they were Tony Romo in particular was so quick to crown and be like, this guy's already, wow, this is something special. Speaking of which, my favorite part of that game was when Romo went off on one of his tangents and how special he was. Like, wow, this guy's going crazy. He's a special kid. And literally five seconds later, he like super short arms his wide open pass. And Tony goes, well, did I, did I say he was special? And I'm like, yeah, you did, Tony. <laughs> you know, what's special is looking back and, you know, look at Patrick Mahomes' first three career starts. You know, he had that game against the Chargers in 2018 where he debuted with four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, You know, the next game, what was that? I think it was the Steelers. He goes in there. What what, what did he get, like five passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown or or something like that? Even his first game against the Broncos, like, okay, Broncos aren't great, but their defense was very good, at least top 10 in the league when Oh, exactly. 
And, and, and you know, he, he capped off his specialness with that now legendary left-handed pass as Von Miller was closing in ready to turn him into field turf. Right. This, this is what's really interesting. Would you... Would you take Justin Herbert right now in terms of potential or Drew Locke in terms of potential? Oh, wow. Throwing yeah, it back on me. Yeah, what I'm the throwing hell, the questions dude? back on you. Take that. What the What the hell? Well, okay, so, um, oh, Reese, damn it. <laughs> this it's is hard, such a good question. Okay, well, uh, here's the reason why it's hard, because we've we've seen one game of Justin Herbert, and he played very well. Chiefs defense is... Um, very good, but not great. And then remember Frank Clark wasn't playing and he didn't get a lot of pressure towards the end of the game. Then they started to pressure him and he didn't play incredibly well. That's how we got to come back in the game. But I mean, Justin Herbert played well, but actually give me Drew Locke because Drew Locke can throw that long ball. Like Drew Locke actually has pretty good accuracy on there and can make big plays. I didn't see a ton of big plays from Justin Herbert. So give me, give me pre-injury Drew Locke. Well, that's a very good point. And, you know, I was watching the game with friend of the podcast, Noah Metzger. And, you know, as as the game went on and we were seeing his stats, I'm just like, yo, dude. I'm like, for all these stats, in regulation, the Chargers have 20 points. And, you know, Herbert's got, what, one touchdown to show for it, not counting that rushing touchdown. I'm like, those are a bunch of empty calorie stats. You know, he's not, like, leading drives down the field and, like, torching us on big plays. I'm like... He's executing the game script. We've got a lot of guys out on defense. Our pass rush is nowhere to be found. You know, he's he's just taking easy passes and getting, you know, yards after catch where he can take it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think I'm going to have to see another game of Justin Herbert to really figure out what's going on there um, because I'm sure to, to give the Chiefs D some credit, I'm sure they had an elaborate game script as to how Tyrod Taylor was going to play, which was similar, but Tyrod also has some leg on him. So I think that they just weren't ready for that game script. And you can see them adjusting positively in the fourth quarter, which is why we were able to come back. Like I said, like they, they were starting to get at him in the fourth quarter. I mean, uh, I think Honey Badger even got him one time and, and then there was a, a stupid flag, uh, which we're going to talk about right away. But anyway, I have to see one more game of Justin Herbert, maybe with a pretty good defense. Uh, actually, before before I go on to uh, to Reese's rant, uh, <laughs> um, Anthony Lynn said that if if Tyrod Taylor is a hundred percent, he is still the starting quarterback. BS meter. Where are you at on that BS meter, Reese? So would I go forward with Justin Herbert versus Tyrod Taylor? Unless they're seeing a lot of stuff in practice that they want to iron out before it becomes a bad habit, i.e. throwing those kinds of interceptions, you know, missing wide open throws. And don't forget, he completely went on the wrong side for an RPO late in the game. That probably cost him the game because they didn't wind up in the end zone. So does he need a little bit more time in the oven? Yeah. Does baptism by fireworks sometimes? Also true. I don't think you can go wrong either way. For me... I think it's pretty clear Justin Herbert is the future of this team. Sorry, Tyrod Taylor, I'm because uh, I hear you're actually a really good guy, um, but your job is officially gone because Justin Herbert, everyone is going to believe this Tony Romo graphic. Justin Herbert just went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. Moving forward, Reese, this one's all you. I have, <laughs> I have, um, I have labeled this hashtag raging referees. Reese? The floor is yours. Tell me about the wonderful officiating. Where do I begin? <laughs> you have you have you have the whole floor. I'm I'm gonna just shut up. 
So I'm not going to be that guy and be like, the refs screwed us or they had us in the whole game, you know. No, that would be discrediting the Chargers defense. That would be giving too much credit to our offense for that game. The referees, you know, weren't the reason why we couldn't get things going. That being said, throughout the game and particularly down the home stretch, the referees were making terrible, untimely calls that always seemed to play in the Chargers' favor. Going back into the first half on that fourth and one around midfield, they didn't call that offsides where that guy jumped so far that I saw that real time in the game. And when I went back this morning to watch the highlights, and that was one of them, both times I said the same thing. I went, gee, purrs, he's off. You know, just instinctively. That was It was bad. And that happened last week, too, against the Texans, remember, on one of their touchdowns they had late in the game when Neiman got burned. Like, an offensive tackle jumped, like, a half second early. And they didn't call it. So I don't know if, like, false starts aren't a thing anymore. But th- that's just going number one. Did you catch that fourth and one offsides jump? You know, in, in the moment, I didn't see it, but then after you had texted and then I went back, yes, I saw it, but it wasn't, it didn't catch my eye to start it with because I was just more worried about everything that was going on. Um, but once you had texted me, I was like, oh, yeah, you're well, right. What made it even worse was that this, I, I can't remember who it was that jumped. He was, he was lining up on the right side of the line. He jumped and that's the direction the play went. So that's obvious why he got the first down and that drive right. led to a touchdown. So ultimately that was a big play. Later on in the game, number two, Sammy Watkins getting that targeting that does not get called whatsoever. Good. Oh, my God. Good night. He was getting taken down, going nowhere, and that second guy, I forget who it was, came in and straight helmet-to-helmeted him. Mm -hmm. You could hear it from the field mics, and Sammy was, like, dead for about three seconds. Like, the second that happened, it was like, oh, he's concussed. But, by 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 the way, Andy was pissed after the game. I've I've never seen Andy like talk about that before. But Andy even said something about the refs without being fined. He was like, "Are you kidding me? Like this was obviously targeting, and no one said a word." They even showed it on a replay, and you could tell the guys in the booth were just like swallowing their tongues, trying not to say anything, even though they all knew it. But you know, yep. this this leads me into something later on I'll talk about with the officiating. But it was just terrible how they were not saying a single word on that helmet-to-helmet and almost praising the tackle. Whereas, you know, at another point, they're talking about Tyreek Hill taking his helmet off on the field, and that's a penalty. Even though he didn't, his helmet was halfway off, and he literally just popped it off, you know, to get it off of his head. So my third and kind of broad brush-stroked final point It came especially in the final drive for the Chiefs when there were multiple times you could tell it third and 20 or third and 20. Patrick Mahomes rushes for 21 yards. He's getting it going. Patrick Mahomes hits Clyde Edwards layer 25 yards downfield on a straight up strike. They're getting going. Patrick Mahomes scrambles to another side. They're getting it going. But it seemed that almost every time the Chiefs had a big play that was just like, okay, we're about to step on them, you know, crush their throats end this thing. There would be a ticky tack foul. And it was just like, are you guys trying to stop us because you know we're going to get into the end zone with like 30 seconds and that's game? You know, they they called soft holdings, I think, on Andrew Wiley at one point. Yeah, uh, Wiley, Osemele. T- well, Osemele actually had a bad game. I Yeah, he didn't play well, but he got a lot of holding calls as well. But, but there was a certain point, I can't remember who it was, if it was Chris Jones or if it was K-Pass, 
but he was straight up getting master locked around the throat for a holding, and they didn't take you know one look at that. I think I looked up the game stats. The Chargers didn't get called for one holding call the whole game, and that You're just kidding. seemed and that just seemed to be the name of the game for us on that final drive. You know, th- that's what's <laughs> killing me. It, it's it's so stupid. And you yeah. can just what I'm getting to with this is that it's obvious to me that the league officials want to make L.A. football happen so bad. We got to get that big market money. Make L.A. care about football, man. Make them care about the Rams. Make them care about the Chargers. To the point that, I mean, I think they straight up told the refs, call this game, do everything you can to get the Chargers to win. We need to build fan bases here now. Because they can't admit they screwed up. L.A. doesn't care about football. L.A. is a Lakers town. L.A. is a Dodgers town. They do not care about professional football, and that's okay. But, you know, stop trying to wreck games like this to make L.A. football happen. Yeah, it's it's okay if you don't have this, like, bajillion-dollar stadium in SoFi Stadium. And, and they, like, you can tell this game before COVID was supposed to be this featured game because of SoFi, because the Chiefs, the Chargers get to play. But they didn't get to talk up this huge stadium because of this incredible jumbotron or whatever it looked fine i mean i wasn't i wasn't that impressed but uh speaking about penalties chargers only had six penalties called on them which is ridiculous absolutely ridiculous. not absolutely not <laughs> well, so terrible raging referees i think i'm gonna have this as a as a segment every uh Every uh, Chiefs game, or I mean, every sporting a sporting match too. I mean, I love raging, raging referees. I love it, man. My my final burst blood vessel for the segment just too long. Didn't read too long. Didn't listen. Whatever. You can't call that false start shoulder twitch on our lineman on that fifty three yard field goal to win the game when they don't call that straight up half second jump on the Chargers on that fourth and one earlier in the game. Yeah, pretty pretty inconsistent, but it looks like they were trying to make this narrative of Justin Herbert as the next Patrick Mahomes. But didn't work for you guys, but it honestly almost worked for you because something was happening with our offense. I mean, what the heck was going on, Reese? Give us give us a uh, analysis there. Oh, geez, where do we begin, Armando? Uh <laughs> Like, should we start with our offensive line just leaving the entire game plan back in Kansas City? Do you want to start with their defensive line selling house every play on Patrick Mahomes? Well, you- well, why don't why don't I give you this quote that I just heard today on the radio? Patrick Mahomes said that it was his fault during the first quarter because he wasn't throwing to open receivers. I mean, Pat, if if you're listening, which you're probably not listening, but hopefully you do in the future, you are a good dude, man. Oh, you're yeah. good, dude. Trying, trying to make, trying to make something that you didn't do. It was my fault in the first quarter. What, what, what's your reaction, Reese? Dude, talk about falling on the grenade for your team, Pat. Like, good job, man. You, we don't deserve you. Uh, I mean, did he miss maybe two throws in that first quarter? Yeah, I think he kind of, you know, threw a couple bad passes. Maybe short armed one, overthrew when he should have, threw it behind the receiver. Those kind of things. But, dude, the name of the game for about 75% of the game, was run, Pat, run. I mean, I we could snap the ball, and I wouldn't have time to take a sip of my beer before Pat was running for his life or getting knocked over. 
You know, it's it was just really bad play by our offensive line, and albeit really good play by their defensive line. All credit to them. Yeah, I mean, I, I was trying to go, go down our schedule. I honestly think this Chargers D line is the best D line that we're going to face because we're not facing the Steelers. Am I right? Uh, I don't believe we have. I yeah, don't think we I have AFC North this year now. Yeah, so so basically, Pittsburgh Steelers have the best defense that I've seen thus far in week one, week two. Chargers D might be the second best with Melvin Ingram and with uh, with Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa had never had a sack on Patrick Mahomes, so it was his like life mission to sack Patrick Mahomes because his brother Nick did it in the Super Bowl. Like, dude plays really well, and also... Anthony Lynn has had so many opportunities to learn about Patrick Mahomes. I mean, we we always played the Chargers twice. So he's had a lot of reps. I mean, that 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 D-line knows what to do now. And so much so that Anthony Lynn, before this game, was like, you know, as long as we don't turn the ball over, I, I actually feel pretty good about this game. And he was right. There was a huge turnover that Justin Herbert made. If he didn't make that turnover, we'd have a different conversation and be even more angry than we are today. But let's give that Chargers D some credit. But now I'm a little nervous about our O-line. What What is your panic meter on our on our O-line, Reese? Well, man, it's not like Schwartz and Fisher to be getting blown up every play the way they were. It's like the, the entire team just seemed to be playing at like 80% speed. I don't get it. I mean, even Tyree Kill didn't seem like he was the fastest guy on the field. You know, he seemed like he was as fast as anybody else on the field. Well, that's actually a, a good a good thing to say because Tyree Kill mentioned after the game he said that he he wasn't feeling it because there was no crowd um, there and that he he has to get hyped up. Well, you know, it's it's kind of interesting here in regards to offensive line. I know Andy Reid kind of likes more mobile offensive linemen that can set up blocks further downfield. You know, as plays develop. But at the same time, man, when you got a guy like Patrick Mahomes and you got receivers that can get separation on a dime, it's like I'd almost like to see him try and get some, you know, bigger bodies on that line. And it's just like, yo, try and move me. You know, because a lot of times I, I felt like our linemen were just getting overpowered in this game. You know, I mean, there, there were a few times I saw Schwartz not getting low enough. I'm like, come on, man, you can't let me on top of you like that. And, you know, yep. you're, you're standing too upright. Bosa's going to just like, you know, knock you over. Yep, and and that's actually where I got kind of scared is I started to see Mitchell Schwartz, who we think is one of the best, if not the best, offensive linemen in the game, where he was getting bullied around by Bosa, and I was like, oh no, that, that don't look good. Well, you know, this is what I saw happening the whole game. As I mentioned earlier, when you got a quarterback, you know, that can drop dimes in there, your only chance of beating them is getting to them. And, you know, we tried that strategy last year in the game against Green Bay when Matt Moore started. Remember, we said, you know, we can't keep up with Aaron Rodgers and this Packers offense with Matt Moore behind the helm. No disrespect to our man, Matt Moore. But so our strategy was to sell house every play. Do you remember that game? Like we just sold house every play and Rodgers had like a second and a half, maybe two seconds to throw at every play. But what happened was coming down the home stretch. We couldn't do that anymore because our line, our defense was getting gassed. And ultimately, you know, we didn't have enough left in the tank to close it out. We saw the same thing last year in the Super Bowl against the 49ers. Now, that was a bit to a lesser extent because the 49ers can rely on their secondary more than the Chargers or especially that Packers team could. 
But the 49ers strategy was we're going to send the defensive front as well as the linebackers to go after Pat on every play and make him run and not give him time to get comfortable in the pocket. And you know what? It worked up until the fourth quarter when they started getting gas and we started figuring him out. And what happened in this game? It was end of the third quarter. Pat suddenly started figuring some stuff out. And this Chargers line was starting to get pretty gas. And you could see it on the final drive, you, uh, the final drive of regulation. You could see it on the final drive in overtime. There was a play where Bosa like, chased Mahomes out of bounds. And as soon as Mahomes went out, Bosa like was leaning up against the bench, sucking wind, man. They just got gassed. Yeah, I, I want to give my hat off to Patrick Mahomes. Even though he just got bullied around, I've never seen him get hit this much. I mean, I especially in 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 that first quarter I've never seen Patrick Mahomes get hit that much but even getting hit that much Patrick Mahomes had 302 yards two touchdowns no interceptions almost had that one but it got called back thank god um and thankfully only one sack which is ridiculous because he he just got bullied around so kudos to him for finding a way and I even said in the uh in in halftime I said watch Patrick Mahomes be Patrick Mahomes. Watch him be mobile. Watch him go left to right. Because you in that first it, game, and, and and because in that first game, we were praising Patrick Mahomes for being this just cool, calm, Tom Brady like check down quarterback, where he just seemed like he knew what was going on. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case in week two because of our because of our O line. But Patrick, I mean, like I I never felt too worried, and I even said that in. In our text messages, I was like, I'm not hitting the panic meter yet because because we haven't seen Patrick be Patrick yet. Like Patrick just needs to go to Andy and say, Andy, we can't do this playbook anymore because these guys are just getting at me. Let me be mobile. Let me go left to right like like we used to do. And let me find someone like Tyreek Hill that had, you know, that one explosive play. Just 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 let me find that one play. And Andy's like, go ahead. Well, absolutely, and that touchdown pass to Tyree Kill was essentially this game's jet chip wasp when you think about it. You know, it was like, hey, I'm going to huck it deep to Tyree Kill down there. But, you know, what's funny is, again, Patrick started figuring this team out over the span of the game. By the fourth quarter, he went full pat. And like you said, we kind of got away from scripted plays. We kind of got away from calling plays in the huddle and just let Pat be Pat. And, you know, when he goes into Pat just being Pat mode, it's like, the football equivalent of the drunken fist where, you know, you can't quite predict what your opponent's going to do. Cause you know, he's just like, he's kind of everywhere. It's like, what's, what's he going to do? There's no orthodox like rhyme or reason to what he's going to do. And that's Patrick Mahomes at his best to be honest. And as long as we have that in our back pocket, man, it's like, we're never out of games and it feels great. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the first times, I mean, cause you and I saw a game live of the chiefs and Chargers, and it was very grueling. It was super grueling to see like that fourth quarter. We weren't sure what was going to happen and we eventually lost that game, but this is the first year. And maybe at the end of last year where I was just like, okay, we're down 10 big whoop. We're always, we're always down 10. It seems like, <laughs> so this is the first time where I'm like, I'm confident. I mean, give me Patrick Mahomes over Justin Herbert. I don't care about what Tony Romo says, I mean, I actually felt pretty good at the end of that game, even going into even going to that second quarter or the, sorry, that third quarter. It was fine. So I actually feel pretty good about the Chiefs and we'll talk about the Ravens right now. Um, I just want to spend a quick minute on fantasy football. 
Fountain Fantasy, sponsored by Hot Take Mondo. Just kidding, I don't have any money, so I can't sponsor this podcast. But if you want to sponsor this podcast, why don't you give us a DM on uh, Fantasy, uh, or sorry, <laughs> Fountain City SM. So let me just do a quick little fantasy update for you guys. Obviously, there's like thousands of hours that we can talk about with injuries. Um, but I just want to talk about our, our wide receivers really quickly. So we have untouchables in uh, in Chiefs fantasy football. We have Patrick Mahomes, we have Travis Kelsey, we have Harrison Bucker, we have Tyreek Hill. If you have Sammy Watkins on your team, if you have Demarcus Robinson on your team because you thought he was going to be good or something, wait till Sammy Watkins has a good game. Hopefully he's back soon. Wait till he has a good game. If you're not sold him yet, sell him after a good game. Sell high on every single one of our wide receivers because every game is going to be different, guys. Tyreek Hill had a great game today. During the Ravens game, Demarcus Robinson might go off. Darrell Williams might go off. We, we don't know. There, there's always these unknowns, right? If you have a Sammy Watkins, if you have a Demarcus Russell, if you have a, a Byron Pringle, which you shouldn't have, but if you have any of those guys, wait till they have a good game and sell high on those guys. That's all I have to say today. Um, also, if you had um, if you had Christian McCaffrey on your team, pick up Mike Davis. Mike Davis is going to be wonderful. Don't waiver wire on Jared McKinnon, 49ers. Raheem Moser just went out. Don't take Jared McKinnon. Just want to say that because Jared McKinnon is coming off an injury. They're going to give it to someone else. Also, just one more thing. Sign Devontae Freeman. He's a free agent right now, but he is about to get signed by either the Giants, by either the 49ers, or by the Carolina Panthers. Sign Devontae Freeman. Okay. That is a quick minute by Hot Tech Mondo Fountain Fantasy. Let's finish it off, Reese. Give me your predictions for the Ravens game. Monday Night Football, baby. Is this... Okay, does does this Chargers game change the way you think this Ravens game is going to go? You know, it's difficult. I, I'm not sure the Ravens defense is as good as the Chargers defense is. I know the Ravens have a good defensive line, but the Chargers have a great defensive line. Uh, you know, the big question is how well are we going to be able to com- contain Lamar Jackson, which so far in our previous two meetings, we've actually done a very good job of doing it. And, you know, like I alluded to earlier, I think part of the problem against the Chargers in this game, at least on the defensive side of the ball, was number one, injuries. But equally important was the fact that we had no script for Justin Herbert. You know, we we didn't know what to expect. Whereas with Lamar Jackson, we know what to expect from Lamar Jackson. We have game tape on what makes Lamar Jackson uncomfortable. And so far this season, I don't see any reason to believe that he's developed and gotten rid of any of those things that are really, you know, kind of uh, his Achilles heel. You know, I think we're really going to try and force him to get off a game script. We're going to force him to try and pass to the outsides instead of the center of the field. And we're always going to keep a linebacker's spy on him to keep him from, you know, running around and, and scrambling and getting some sort of crazy play on us. Okay, after this game, I, I'm kind of a little nervous about this Ravens game because their strengths are our weaknesses. Like, they have two pretty formidable running backs. They have, sorry, three if you can't Lamar Jackson. And what have the past two teams done to us? What have the Texans done to us? David Johnson went off. What happened in the Chargers game? Austin Eckler went off. The rookie Justin Kelly went off on us. So I feel like Mark Ingram's going to have a great game. J.K. Dobbins, who is his his like second running back, who is very good. Like J.K. Dobbins at the end of the year could be running back one in the Ravens. And then, oh, of course, you have Lamar Jackson. So they're going to expose us. I 
I have a feeling this is going to be a shootout. Um, Lamar Jackson, even though he can throw the long ball, he can also throw the short ball to Mark Andrews. And where is he going to throw it? To our weakness, our linebackers that are just Oof. below right now. So watch a... I, I think this Ravens game is going to be great. I think it's going to be a shootout. I think um, Ravens know what our weakness... We all know what our weakness is, is. Like, of course, our weakness is the linebackers. We have inexperienced cornerbacks. But LeJarius Sneed is doing well. But we don't really need him in this game because he's going to go up against Hollywood Brown, and Hollywood Brown is not going to score five touchdowns on us, right? Mark Andrews might score five touchdowns on us. Mark Ingram might score five touchdowns on us. Or Lamar Jackson might rush for five touchdowns. You know, like, like there's a lot of weaknesses that are their strengths, so I'm a little worried about that, but I'm very excited for a shootout. You know, it'll, it'll be interesting. I don't know if this is going to be like a first one to 30 kind of game because the last two outings against the Ravens have both been fairly low scoring, if you remember. Um, you know, I, I think what's going to be interesting is going to be seeing how long Andy Reid sticks to the script, particularly if it's not working, because I do think the best thing you have is wild card, drunken fist, Patrick Mahomes. You know, it's like he just he throws all the rules to the side and he just makes miracles happen and he's got great weapons to help make miracles happen. So I think it'll be it'll be that balance of yin and yang, you know, like sticking to the script and letting things kind of play as they come. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And let Willie Gay Jr. play. Oh, dude, let Willie Gay Jr. play. I don't care how green he must be on the scheme. Willie Just let blocked him play. a punt. He blocked a punt. <laughs> let him play in the linebacker position. We need him. This is why we picked him up to stop Lamar Jackson. And what we're looking for in our linebackers is athleticism, man. It's like Neiman and Hitchens are so slow. And that's part of the problem with the running game is that, you know, like if anybody gets past the defensive line, our linebackers are too slow to react. Crazy, crazy. So we're going to have a great game and we are going to have a great reaction podcast to that game. So stay tuned for what is to come. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Podbean. We're on a lot of different platforms, so please subscribe and don't forget to download. We're also on social media on Facebook, Fountain City Sports Media, as well as Instagram, Fountain City SM. And shoot us a DM, I always say. Give us a DM. Canada, we see you out there. Netherlands, we see you out there. Just tell us how you like the podcast. Um, when we do interviews as well, make sure that you send in your questions. Um, if if we see enough questions or good questions, we will post them and we will give you a shout out on the podcast. And then once we're on Patreon, please subscribe there as well. This has been a crushable cast with Reese and Armando. We'll see you next time. We're excited. Let's go Chiefs. Chiefs.